You're listening to Boudoir Therapy, hosted by Darlene Wong. I fly over oceans in my sleep. Join me in my private boudoir where I raise the volume in the presence of coveted, feminine, and empowering business women I call the queens. I can't we just be? You are not living life if you are not living your inner art. Oh my gosh, Jen. You, yes, you, yes. <laughs> PM Roy, but like. Bao, you... Bao means precious, Mei means beautiful. Mei, 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 Li, the Mei, Bao, Bei, the Bao. My mom, when I was born. Her two most important men in her lives was my father and my uncle, who's my godfather. And my dad said I was very beautiful. My uncle said I was very precious. So to please both of them, my mom gave me my Chinese name, Bao Mei. <laughs> so Genevieve Bao Mei Roy Wong. Genevieve means pure, so it's pure, precious beauty. <laughs> wow. You know, let me share my name yeah, then. Please, please. My name is Darlene Wong, yeah. and Wong is Huang in Chinese, which yeah. is yellow, and Dalian is Blossoming Lotus Flower. Hi, Darlene. Thanks so much for having me here. I believe every woman is a goddess. I feel I'm a goddess, so my friends are goddesses, and every woman has beautiful things they want to share with the world. I find the world can be a little bleak sometimes. Uh, loving creations, imaginative uh, expressions from the soul is just very nice. I try and introduce people to open their hearts, open their minds, to color their world. I try and express through my writing, through my art, through my music, different ways that people can connect with each other. I try and make people have value and put value on art. I like to cover in my writing anything that's cultural, musical, entertainment, travel, food, things that make people go, wow, I really, really enjoy this. I want to share this with people. Yeah, basically, I'm a happy person. <laughs> I'm so happy here with you. I could feel the energy. I hope you guys can feel it too. It sounds like your inner art is quite the creative artistic type. And that gift that you have, you seem to have put it a little bit everywhere. How do you how do you use your gift on a daily basis? My days are filled with different activities. I do have a couple jobs. I do work full time for the English Montreal School Board and part of my work is to be an art therapist, music and drama. I help the children of all ages from uh, elementary, kindergarten, all the way up until university to try and find creative outlets to express their emotions. On another note, I'm a journalist and I do cover lots of events. So for me, I organize my days first by educating people in the day and at night I discover things myself, I learn things myself, and then I share it with people. Thus, I'm continuing the cycle of education. <laughs> so. One way to describe it, I would say I inspire people. I, I inspire myself. <laughs> um, and I think it's a continuous learning process. It's not that easy to always try and find new things, but there's always ways to find little things that are different. And you know what? I think it is really important to always educate yourself. It's a it's a growing process and you're still here today. You're still here tomorrow and there's no stopping there. You have to keep wanting to learn in order for you to really develop who you are to to the most that Geneviève can be. And it seems like 
you're trying to do a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, I don't do everything. <laughs> I'm not the best cook, believe me. <laughs> I, one thing I really like is working with children because children, their minds are pretty much unlimited. They have wild imaginations and I find daily inspiration by working with young children. I try and keep that youthful mind in any activity that I try and do. Uh, sometimes I'm faced with uh, situations or activities which I have a bit of reserve. <laughs> for example, going for a paintball session. Sometimes the fear will hold me back. I'm, I'm telling myself, am I doing the right thing? Do I want to promote something that's a war game? Uh, it's pretty violent, I can get hurt. But then you find yourself in the circumstance and you see how much energy of all the people that are there around you. It's teamwork, it's a confidence, it's strategy. It's, it's just so many things. Yes, there are positives and negatives to different things. Any activity, if someone says, go skydiving tomorrow, <laughs> if the fear of heights doesn't put me off, I will at least try and tell myself, okay, there are lots of people who enjoy this activity. Why is it that they like this activity? Uh -huh. <laughs> How am I gonna enjoy this activity? <laughs> and then I just close my eyes and I jump and I do it. <laughs> but I would say that it's risky, it's scary, but isn't that how life is? If you don't jump for it, you, you will never really know what kind of experience you might get out of it. Uh, I agree with you. I wouldn't say that I'm a person that takes lots of risks. I do a lot of different activities and often my friends tell me, well, Jen, I cannot believe you just ate insects or I cannot believe that you just left all by yourself on a backpacking tour to some unknown location. But I tell them I take calculated risks. I always weigh the positive and the negatives. I see if I feel all right with myself. I search deeply inside my emotions, my psyche. I tell myself, am I comfortable with this? Am I comfortable sharing my experiences with people of whatever decision I'm about to make? And I don't regret what I do usually. Very few things in life I've done that I feel sincere regret or saying, oh, I didn't, I wish I didn't do it. I think I live more along the philosophy that um, I should throw away the bowlines and just go ahead and do something that you're curious about and you will always have a dissatisfaction if you just didn't do it or you, you held yourself back. Mostly people are held back by fear of the unknown, about something that's uncomfortable for them. I do have fears. I do have my little moments where I'm like, not so confident about something but more or less I think I'm a go-getter and if I want something I go for it I like it when the people that I'm surrounding myself with are also go-getters they're filled with energy they're usually people who I find inspiring and that I look up to so I also like to feel that by doing things, I also inspire other people to do things and maybe try something new. <laughs> I think there was a lot of what you said that kind of inspired me because mm -hmm. there's a few things. You said you take very calculated risks. Yes, I do. I think I used to be like that, but now it's kind of like I'm relearning how to do that. I don't know if it's because of this huge transition of motherhood and, and also becoming a single parent. It's I have to relearn that. So I think I might have to like, like rub shoulders with you so that I can start to <laughs> relearn how to take those calculated risks. I'm the kind of person who will just be like, um, we're going to jump off the plane. Okay, let's just go. Mm. Let's just go. All right, mm. we're going to do it. Okay, let's go. Okay, I'm super scared. Okay, yes, I am. Okay, but let's just go. Jump now. Go. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that, all right, you have a whole bunch of activities or events that you are presented to you that you can choose to do. You also have to see what the effects are of doing all those things. So let's say somebody wants to, I don't know, just jump off a plane, as you say, just let's just go, let's just jump. But it has to, it depends what 
you feel comfortable with. If you're going to do that and then regret it and have a six months of phobia after mm-hmm. that, it's probably not the best decision. <laughs> That's just an example of skydiving. But let's say you're always going out night after night after night and say, yes, let's just do it. It's only one life to live. But then you're extremely tired and you fall sick after that. So those are things you have to kind of think about. It's the same thing. Yes, it's great to be enthusiastic um, and it's great to say, let's just do something. But there are consequences to action sometimes. And you have to be able to see are you comfortable with those consequences mm-hmm. i'm i'm all for saying let's go and do something but you have to feel 100 comfortable with whatever it is that happens after mm-hmm. i do cover a lot of activities and sometimes my friend says do you ever sleep <laughs> i said yes i do <laughs> maybe not as much as i should <laughs> but generally speaking on an everyday basis at where i am in my life i feel like i'm living my life to its maximum to its fullest i feel that i don't want to do 10,000 more things I'm already doing enough I go to bed happy and if I were to die I feel my life has been complete there's nothing that I can say that I'm I'm lacking in my life at this moment I'm just very happy with what I do that's so amazing <laughs> it, it, it is it's really special to know that actually to think that you've done everything you possibly could and be okay with whatever happens tomorrow is a really big I never thought of it that way. I see that I have so much time, but I need to do those hundred million things because I only have like so many years and those so many years, it might be another, you know, 50 years, but there's like too many things for me to complete in those 50 years. So how am I going to do it? I need to start now. I need to go, go, go. I have a hard time sitting actually and I and I do have a hard time sleeping as well too <laughs> but it's because I my mind is just always creating because you have a creative mind I think there was a study that said that creative minds have a tendency to have trouble sleeping and that we're night owls and uh, our brains are more active at night and that's why we have trouble sleeping. Really? Um, I used to also be worried about a lot of things and I think that caused a lot of anxiety in my life. And I noticed that by saying, oh, I'm running out of time. Like, I'm, I'm 33 right now and I don't have children yet. I highly admire you. You have children. <laughs> Hallelujah, it's amazing. <laughs> I work with children every day and I love children. And yes, I do realize there's a biological factor, but I tell myself if I have children, they will happen when when the time comes. I used to feel a little anxious about it. I try not to anymore because I tell myself you cannot just want something to happen just like that. Mm. You have only the moment that's in front of you. You can plan ahead. I feel that I can plan ahead. I can have a 10-year plan, 7-year plan, 3-month plan. But those things haven't happened yet. I can only control what's happening here and now. And I only know that I have. when I close my eyes at night, I tell myself, was it a good day that I accomplished being a happy person? That I maybe make somebody else feel happy today? That I make myself feel happy? If I did, mission accomplished. And that's why I can feel that anything could happen. I may not wake up tomorrow, but I'm happy. <laughs> yes, I think I'm still relearning that. And I, I've, I've come to an awareness, actually, not too far ago, that I have to relearn the same kinds of skills that I used to have when I was younger and I mean like in my 20s I you know I would work I'd go to school I'd work go to school I travel go to mm-hmm, school mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was very responsible for the the things that I'd purchase the places I'd go mm-hmm. uh, the people I'd be with it was I was fully responsible for myself um, but I don't know what happens 
to you when you have children that like it just I swear I need to press like reset and start all over again but I'm working on it and plus you're here so I am gonna rub shoulders with you and give you a really big hug so I can just like Anytime. get any of that like good positive energy in into my soul as well you did mention something about at nighttime, if you go to sleep and you're happy, then you feel you, you know, you've accomplished. But what happens on those nights when you are not happy, when you don't feel you're satisfying what Geneviève should have done? You know, there's a lot of sayings like when you should, you should eat one apple a day to keep the doctor awake or never go to bed mad with someone you love and always tell them you love them, regardless how mad or how much you want to kill them, maybe. <laughs> You can't help days when you don't feel good. I think those are days... I remember the last time I felt really, really bad. But before going to bed, I told myself, it's a normal thing not to feel good. And you cannot always win every battle. You cannot win every mental battle with yourself. If you feel like crap, you feel like crap dead. It's just part of life. You can only appreciate those good days when you know you've had those bad days and you fully, you fully absorb those bad days. Mm. You have days when you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to go to work, you don't want to deal with your kids, you don't want to deal with anybody, you're just like, leave me alone here. Those are important days because those days teach you something about your character. They teach you about yourself. I think if we don't have those days, there's a serious problem in our character. I think um, if you're always optimistic all the time, you're not seeing a certain aspect of life. And I think maybe sometimes you're not looking at your life closely enough. Everybody has ups and downs. And um, if you embrace them and you said, okay, it's a crap day today, it's gonna pass. You know it's gonna pass. And you tell yourself after a crap day, there's always something, a day that might be medium crap or better day. <laughs> it's coming, it's not quite there. Like think about it, you, you get fired from a job or you break up with somebody or you find out you, somebody you love has a terminal illness. Those are days that you are not you are not going to smile. You are going to cry. You're going to hurt. And those things make you stronger. I know it's cheesy to say it makes you stronger, but in the long run, it really does. Mm -hmm. It what builds your character. And um, and when you have a good day, you can tell yourself nothing bad happened today. This is a good day, even though it's an uneventful day. Nothing really amazing happened, but it's still a good day. And you can feel good and go to bed and say, hmm. It was a good day. <laughs> like when things are under control and yeah. just very natural, it's a good day. Absolutely. And I think it is important to um, be aware of those kinds of days because it's not a boring day. It's just a normal day. It's a regular day. It's a natural it's a day. It's a day. But in the grand scope of things, if you lived your life and you see your life path as being a positive one, even if it was a regular day, and let's say you had two weeks of horrible days, but then you had a regular day, and you're like, okay, today it's not that great. But if you look at the whole grand scope of your life, if it's a positive one, it's a good one, you can go to bed feeling good about yourself. It's, you don't always need to have a wonderful day. It's just, it's the same thing with social media, actually. <laughs> I work as a blogger, as a writer. For me, I look at a lot of my peers, I see a lot of my friends, and they're very attached to how successful each of their posts or each of their pictures or each of uh, their articles are. I think we attach a little too much importance to that. It's not always about how successful an individual post was, it's, it's more the overall body of your work. It's, it's what your intention was from the beginning of your work, and it's how people see how important it is to you, how it makes you feel as a person, because you're not just doing it for other people, you're ultimately doing it for yourself. So if you're publishing something and you feel good about it, other people will most likely feel good about it too. 
they will sense it if you're just trying to try and get more followers or get more likes or it's it's people are they're very sensory they, they they can they're intuitive most people they can feel things they can see things people they they just know the vibe that you're that you're projecting so if you had social media i think is very closely related to how we humans feel i think it's a characteristic of how humanity is going as well so fake it's, it's really sad when you see how a lot of people they think that's the only reality they have mm, so yeah I, I, I don't know i i find that when you go on your phones too often, especially with younger people, I, I'm noticing this more and more, they lose a sense of touch of who they are and who others are, and they don't relate to people as much. Mm. As I said, like when it goes back to cheesy sentences, always tell someone you love them. I would give a cheesy sentence and lift your eyes off your phone and connect with somebody, <laughs> look at somebody, touch somebody. Not always physically touch them, but touch them with your intention, with your with your attention, with the way you're present with them. I think it's important. We are losing touch a little bit with ourselves. And that's why a lot of people don't feel happy at the end of the day. Mm. I think people are too worried about what others think about them. <laughs> I think it's also a phase, right? I think we all go through that. I went through that phase myself. And when I decided I just want to just... I just want to try to do what I want to do. Let me just see. Let me see if this works out. It felt very liberating and I didn't really care what others thought and I realized I could create you know all these beautiful things that I've done around me and I said okay look at that like I just I stopped listening I just started listening more towards myself and I, I find that just being able to do what I do is is a success in its own yes and uh, and it's plenty for me and i know people see you know my online uh, presence and and social media website you name it it looks gorgeous it looks beautiful well, that's not my every day no, it's not. not at all um, it is my best work um, it is the most beautiful pieces i wish i could do that every day i'm going towards that <laughs> but i found that it was so important for me to really take the time to listen to me to self-care to to put that attention back on the most important human being which is yourself me mm -hmm. yes and you know i i wanted to ask you with these kind of your journey that you've been through how would you define success success is personal it can be measured by how you view your own level of success i think you take partially comments from other people you take how other view people view your success but then it, it's how you take that feedback and you see it for yourself. If everyone around you is telling you, ah, you're, you're doing so-so, but you yourself feel you're a success, well then you're a success. I don't think it, you can measure it only by one means and how other people view your success. It can be one man on an island, like the movie Castaway. He, he, I mean, hello, <laughs> one man, he had a volleyball and he called Wilson. his friend Wilson. <laughs> Wilson, that he created that, he's a success in, in in himself that he created a friend he's able to survive and he was just one person for several years does that mean that he's a, that he's not successful with people because there's no one around him no he's successful pleasing himself so it's the same thing when you look at your career you look at your life are you happy with your family are you happy with your friends are you happy with the company that you keep you are the only person 
who's judging your own self. So ultimately, the whole world can tell you that you're an amazing person, you're an amazing artist. But if you yourself are not happy, you will never feel you're successful. If you look at a lot of stars who committed suicide, it's sad mm -hmm. to say, Robin Williams, Heath Ledger, you're thinking of a few of them, according to the world, they were successful. They were very successful. They were big Hollywood actors, got fame, got fortune. They weren't happy, they killed themselves. So that's how you measure success, I think. It's from, your, from yourself, inward success. Mm. Thank you, thank you for that. When you're noticing your own success, mm. when you are achieving, when you are getting to the finish line, what does your support system look like? I like mixing with people who encourage me, who, who call me out on little things that uh, I might not see myself. I don't want someone who's always sugarcoating. I really don't. I hate I, I, that. I, hate that. Um, <laughs> I don't like fake friends who pretend to support you, but in fact they're jealous of you. Mm. It's it's not always obvious, but then you realize it down the road. That's that's all it was is jealousy or envy or um, or they're trying to drain your energy. I really try and stay far away from people who drain your energy in a negative way. How do you do that? How do you recognize that? Because there are uh, there are a few listeners out there who want to know how to stay away from people that maybe were always really close to them, mm -hmm. but like you said, drain all their energy. And if they don't have energy for themselves, they can't really pursue what they want to do. Uh, misery attracts company. So if, you, if you're feeling that the people that surround you are not happy, and they're trying to ask you all the time um, to, for you to make them feel better about themselves, then you kind of get a feeling that they're not the most positive people to be around. And if you're spending a lot of time and energy trying to boost other people, you're not using that energy to focus on yourself. It's important to help others. I think it's really important to support other people. But when it's a constant, constant, constant thing, it's draining, emotionally draining. Some friends, I think, I'm thinking of to a couple people, they have friends, let's call them friends or acquaintances, uh, they're always complaining about them. If they're always complaining about a person, mm -hmm. they're not sending positive vibes to themselves or to others. If you find yourself in a situation where you're always complaining about a person, but you're still putting in so much effort to try and woo them over to your side or to try and gain their favor or try to uplift yourself in their, in their eyes, you're doing yourself a, a disfavor because you are wasting valuable time and energy trying to be someone that you hope to become to please those people. Mm -hmm. It will never work and you won't feel happy. Who is your support system? I have very close connections to my parents, my best friends, inspirational friends, people that I don't know sometimes but that well. But I, when I talk to them, I feel uplifted, I feel inspired, I feel energized. You don't always need to be a close friend to somebody or to speak to somebody regularly to feel inspired by a person. Sometimes you just meet somebody and you don't even know their name. You can meet someone on a bus and that person can just wow you with their energy. It's something you feel from a person. I think we humans are very intuitive in the sense that we can sense if a person is sending you positive vibes or negative vibes. And we don't often listen to it. I think um, a lot of things has to do with your intuition, your sixth sense. I was just about to say, because it should be natural, right, for us to be continuously working on our intuition. But there are some moments in our lives that kind of just 
fog that part of our sense Mm -hmm. and it's not really that natural anymore so you have to kind of reconnect with yourself in order to reinforce that intuition and actually use it and that sixth sense that's the way you call it i think it is it's part of really being a human being when you've lost that part of you you've really lost your being. You've lost the ability to be a human being. I'm gonna bring it back to technology and I find a lot of people are losing touch with their reality nowadays. <laughs> we see it in, in television programs. If you watch Black Mirror, if you, oh, yeah. or if you, <laughs> you just look at some people nowadays and they're just connected to the screen. And mm. I have no issues with technology. I don't really have issues with putting stuff out on the net but I do have an issue when you lose sense of the here and now and you feel that you're being extremely anxious you're running out of moments of pure creativity your brain works best when it's relaxed it's best when it's unstressed uncluttered part of making connections with people is also being in that type of mood you have boudoir therapy which I think it's also creating a sense of mood of connection Uh, I do art therapy which is also disconnecting and trying to help people reconnect with physical elements, things that they can touch, things that they can smell and hear, use other senses. So I really feel that in terms of connections, people used to to talk to people for hours, now people text. And when they text, it's not quite the same. You can't get a sense of what the person's really trying to tell you by texting. Or spending time with a friend nowadays is not quite the same. People do say, okay, let's go grab a drink, but it's, it's not quite the same, I believe. <laughs> when you have a friend next door, you can just go and say, I'm coming to see you, let's have a coffee, let's have cookies. And it's different nowadays. Everything is so planned, it's so cold, so sterile sometimes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the only way that I can make an, an analogy with that is that uh, I thought I was really into contemporary design. And then when I rebranded, everything went completely traditional. And it's Mm. because there's so much more character, there's so much more emotion, and there's more history, there's a story behind it. And and that's where I've been able to realize, well, I, I think I'm lacking like that touch. I'm lacking that connection and I need to feel it. So it's not going to be with flat things. It's going to be with curvy and very textured, um, you know, wood, patterns, fabric, whatever, you name it. All I want to do is just touch again because mm. I'm missing that. I think everything that we've built up to right now, it's on the verge of a peak of a collapse. I think... People are going back to old traditional ways. People are realizing they're disconnecting themselves from others. So people are more and more trying to go for meet and greets. They're pref- they're preferring to call people rather than text. There is hope. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm making it sound really sad and desolate, but there's there's really hope. More and more people are realizing the importance of of connection or of going back to the old sources or old traditions and old habits. Mm, go on the dating scene is the same type of thing (laughs) people a couple years ago it used to be all about the online dating scene but now I'm realizing more and more people are like well let's go out and meet people let's go and do something let's go and actually meet somebody (laughs) so I'm seeing a lot of um, cycles that are taking place now we're going back to old traditions and maybe those beautiful traditional designs and curvy (laughs) furnitures and touchy plushy chairs (laughs) it's it's nice (laughs) 
It is. Yeah. It, it feels good. So if so, for you guys that are listening here, Genevieve is sitting on the queen's chair, and she looks fabulous. She's feeling her like crazy, and um, I don't think she's complaining. So uh, it's a good thing. And she is here, right here in the studio with me, which you know comes back to the whole connection part. I love when people are able to come here, and that's why I do invite. I give you guys the option to do it either via um, the internet or right here in my home studio where we can greet each other with a hug yes. and Genevieve or two, two. two yes yeah. so Genevieve <laughs> gave me a hug when she came in and then I was like hold on I'm gonna I want another one of those <laughs> <laughs> and that worked out really well it's really fun isn't it to just actually just be like present together like this even just for a few minutes this is where we're going this is what i want to try to implement and and educate people on the importance of connections mm -hmm. with all your senses all six senses when did you find out who genevieve was did you ever have like an aha self-discovery moment aha moments i think i, I draw a line between my childhood and my adult life when I left to go traveling at the age of 19. I saved up $10,000. I worked like crazy for three jobs, weekends, nights, days. I took a year off before my university studies and I told myself, this is it, I'm leaving. <laughs> I really got a sense, I, I discovered eight countries in Asia. I'm half Chinese, I'm from, my mother's from Singapore. And I went to visit some family from overseas. I spent three months in Japan, Thailand, Hong Kong, just to name a few. And it's just seeing as an adult how similar life is back home, but how different it is. So it's, it's once again about connections, <laughs> about speaking with people from different cultures, making your own way independently, trying not to upset people. That's important when you visit other countries. You try not to you try not to be a burden on other people. You try to blend into the culture, but also absorb as much as you can. <laughs> so I think for me, I discovered who I was as a person, seeing where my my strengths lay, where my weaknesses were, about fears and insecurities I had. I remember I had this amazing conversation with uh, an Australian guy who asked me why is it that I wanted to travel. And I think what was a 30 minute conversation drew out to be a six and a half hour conversation. Wow, it must have been a real good one. It was, it was yes. a really good one. We became very good friends and it made me see the world a little bit differently. And it's funny because now I'm at 33, I'm the same age that he was. And I just had a very interesting conversation with somebody who was 19 years old in Mexico. So for me, it was like deja vu, but reverse roles. <laughs> I'm the one who is now the 33-year-old talking to the 19-year-old self I was in Asia, all bright eyes. <laughs> and it was It's a very aha moment. It's one of those marking moments in your life where you're just like, you see has how time passed, you see yourself grow as a person, you see what the future could be, you see where the possibilities lie, and you also revisit the past with much nostalgia and kindness. And I think, I think you asked me before what's what's an important thing to be successful, how you feel you're successful. I think an important thing is you have to be kind. You have to be kind to others and most of all you have to be kind to yourself. There's so many things about your own life that you can criticize and say, hey, I wish I did things differently, but 
you have to remember you have to be kind to yourself. You're your only person who's going to judge yourself. You're the only person who's going to be like evaluating at the end of your life how your life was. So you have to be kind if to nobody else to yourself. I really appreciate the fact that you have such knowledge about travel and culturalism because I think and and from my experience traveling is the best education you could possibly get. I've traveled from here from Montreal to Toronto down to Florida and a, a lot of the Caribbean islands mm-hmm. and then Asia uh, from Inner Mongolia down to um, Cambodia and yes there are so many things that are similar yet different mm-hmm. but when I would get back home on that plane coming back to North America it made me appreciate a lot of the things that I do have back at home that I didn't see when I was traveling, for example. Most of the time it was food. Yes. yes. <laughs> food. food, yeah. And, and it, just to have um, a taste in your mouth that you recognize, you know? So those, those little things like eating was something that I would, I guess, take for granted. And because I was never a good eater. I just was so picky, but after traveling, I completely changed my appetite and it grew to everything. I'm no longer the picky eater. I'm what is there to eat? I need to eat food. I need to survive and whatever it is, I love it. Thank you so much. You fed me. You love me. Thank you. I think when I travel, what I bring back mostly is music, food as well. Yes. My gosh, I'm a total I foodie. love I love to bring back food. Food. It's like yeah. one of the biggest pleasures in life. <laughs> Feed me well, I'm a happy camper. There you go. Food. Oh, so many stories with food. I, I think travel opens your eyes and makes you grow as a person in so many different ways. It's not just the journey itself. It's the journey you take home with you. It's the journey that before you start on your journey is the actual preparation that is interesting as well. Before you leave on a trip, during your trip, and after your trip. How people ask you about your trip also builds connections with people. I remember I was this skinny, tall, 12-year-old kid, and my mom dragged me for half a year to Australia, Tahiti, and Fiji, and Hawaii. Coming back home to a very fairly, I should say, a French, French-Canadian neighborhood, being the t- skinny 12-year-old who just traveled half a year in Polynesian countries <laughs> and trying a kava, which is some kind of hallucinatory oh my <laughs> Totally <laughs> out-of-body experience. Um, lovo bread. And, and talking about those things, you realize other 12-year-olds aren't always that interested in hearing about those stories. So you have to rethink the way you speak to people, which is it's funny. As a 12-year-old, I was aware of that, like, you can talk about crazy adventures or crazy food stories. Not everyone's going to appreciate that (laughs) because they don't always understand it. If something that people don't always understand, they can't connect to it. I think that's part of the discovery of the journey too. It was the post journey, which was interesting to me. Of course, when you're 12, everything is new to you, especially if you go to a different country. The preparation itself was very interesting. I remember prior to the trip, I was so excited about meeting relatives I've never met and discovering a different part of my heritage and all my expectations just went out the window. (laughs) I had an, well, I have an uncle 
who was a lawyer in Australia, and I had this stereotypical image from a textbook of a lawyer in a dark suit with a briefcase. And when I went to Australia and he came out of a flaming orange Mercedes with cowboy boots, with tight skinny jeans, with a happy balance in his hair, with flowers everywhere, and just my expectations just crumbled. The preparation part of the journey, the actual journey itself, with all those fun adventures in different countries, and the post journey, uh-huh. everything just came together. And it f- shapes your life. It, it, 12-year-old me never left. I'm, I'm also that bright-eyed 12-year-old girl who's still traveling with, with expectations that get broken on trips. And then when I come back and I, I, I reanalyze my vacation, I'm, I'm going through the exact same process as when I was 12. So traveling affects a person in so many ways. It does. And everyone has a different experience from travel. Some people, they need it because they need to get rid of all the stress in their life. Solo traveling, group traveling, family traveling, all different types of travel because it teaches you something different each time. It does. I think I was quite lucky that I was traveling since I was a baby because my family was in Dominican. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I would just be going back and forth from Montreal to Dominican Republic. And uh, I never had any fear of flights, (laughs) which is is something that I learned (laughs) afterwards, you know, that people have that. I'm like, why would you have that? Like, don't you know what there is out there? Like, you want to go and see that. Fears are interesting, though. It's an interesting topic to discuss. How do you deal or manage with guilt, doubt, or fear? When you do something and you know it's not correct, you will automatically feel guilt, consequently fear of repercussions, usually. You might even get depression if it's something important enough to you and you feel bad enough about it. I'm not going to go and advocate to say to do things that are going to make you feel guilty or fearful or, or disheartened. But it happens. Things happen. Sometimes you do something and sometimes you can predict that it's going to have bad consequences. Sometimes you can't. For example, let's say you do something at work you know you're not supposed to do, but you already know that there could be bad consequences, but you decide to do it either way. And then partly you have to live with the guilt because you knew it was going to happen. But you cannot, you cannot eat your heart out from the inside because you knew it was going to happen. Sometimes things happen and you had no expectations, prior expectations, and it hits you quite hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it falls back to going back to bed and telling yourself things will get better <laughs> in the future. It won't always stay bad. It won't always be bad. There will be better days. Don't stay by yourself. If, if you feel like you really are in the depths of despair and you're feeling desperate or you're feeling... Sometimes it's good to voice out your opinions. Often people don't always like to hear people who complain or people, people who voice their sorrows. But if a person does it once in a blue moon, the people who really care about them will feel concerned and they will go and help. If it's a person that does it all the time, all the time, all the time, then they probably won't get the same type of reaction from people. But if it's, if it's a once in a while situation and you really feel sad or heartbroken, it's okay to voice your opinion to other people and reach out. Because by connecting with other people, by, by speaking what's on your heart, you already feel better. It's already unburdening yourself a little mm-hmm. bit. Sometimes you, as much as you can share your joy and your successes with people, you can also share your pain and your anger and frustrations with other people. Why do you think people gossip? People gossip because sometimes it's what's on their mind, is what they feel, and they feel they have to share it out. And they feel better about themselves or they boost their ego. That's what people do when they gossip. <laughs> Sometimes they, they laugh about somebody else and makes them feel better. <laughs> if you're really, really sad and you feel that nobody's listening to you, if you go and express your sadness or your anger on social media, just be careful what you say. 
But if some of your, or phone somebody and rant and rave, <laughs> you usually feel better after. Choose a person of confidence, someone that you can trust, who won't betray how you're feeling and, and do that. And if you're really stuck in a situation where there's absolutely nobody you can talk to, maybe go and do something physical. Go and do sports, go and do a lot of exercise or go and treat yourself to something that will make you physically feel good. Just make sure that it doesn't fall into a bad habit. <laughs> I have a great way to express what I'm feeling and I call it journaling. Mm -hmm. It's the only place where I feel I won't be judged, I won't be criticized, no one's going to talk in one ear and the other, I'm not bombarded with all these opinions, I'm just writing down everything that I need to express and it's an outlet for me. If I don't have anyone around, well, I've got a piece of paper, I've got a pen, I can do this. Um, my other way of doing it is uh, I go to Toastmasters oh. and uh, yesterday actually I was having one of those down days and uh, there was uh, an opportunity where the the president wrote uh, an email to everyone saying that there was a position um, that needed to be filled up quickly and I said this is my opportunity to get myself out of the house mm -hmm. and I took that and then I went out and I got to speak I got to mingle with people and it's a safe environment again and I felt so much better afterwards. So the, that combination of, yes, going out and socializing or being in a place where you feel safe to express for me is plenty. And I, I know myself, I've done this for now a couple of years, built out about eight journals now, and I just love it. And that's why I decided also to have the boudoir therapy journal, because if it helped me, I think it can help someone else too. I do find a lot of energy in writing in a journal. There are some emotions I do not feel comfortable writing in a journal. Sometimes I prefer to express my feelings through more abstract art. Like I like to paint, I love to draw, I express sometimes anger or sorrow through songwriting. So if I, if I do decide to, to compose a piece of music, sometimes I've, I channel all my energy into a song or into an art project. Um, I have been to a smash room before. That was a really interesting experience. What is that? A smash room, it's a room where you can get off all your energy by breaking objects. So you get padded down, you wear a complete bodysuit, you get a baseball bat, and you wear a mask, and you can bring old electronic appliances, or they provide stuff for you, and you go in there and you smash things. <laughs> That is amazing. They, there's a couple that open in Montreal. Some people like to do sports. I like smash rooms. Oh my goodness. Well, it's no wonder I box. So on weekends, I take boxing classes because go. I feel like go. I can punch things and it's completely legal. I don't like boxing myself because I'm a violinist and I don't want to hurt my hands. Oh, yeah. So some people, they get rid of their stress or anger by binge eating or by being violent or going out and having promiscuous sex. There are certain activities which can hurt you in the long run. And I think when you actually do something that you can physically hurt yourself, you're not doing yourself a favor. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying boxing is bad. I'm just saying for myself, I'm afraid of hurting myself. Do you own a queen's chair? I do not own a queen's chair, but I do have an antique chair that belonged to my mother. Tell me it's about over it. 250 years old. It, there's only four of them in the world. It used to belong to a king. That's so exciting! I know, I know. Oh it's, it's, it's a beautiful antique chair, and um, yeah, I really love it. It's, it's been with me since I'm born. It, 
probably will be mine until the day I die. <laughs> and yeah, I find that like I'm sitting on your beautiful queen's chair right now and I, I can feel the energy and the power coming from it right now. I'm just touching the velvet and so good. It, it's a really, really good feeling. <laughs> Amazing. What do you deserve from life and how will you make that happen in 2019? I feel that so far this year has started off great. I'm working on a lot of great projects. I feel that I deserve opportunities to put my creative outlets to good use. I am very happy taking on a couple of uh, musical projects, notably for a PKD Foundation concert. Uh, it's coming up in May. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm also working on a nail polish exhibition, on a new nail polish exhibition. So for me, uh, recently I just produced a couple works which I feel are the epitome of all my life. It's a recap of all the things that I've soaked in countries I've visited. So I'm hoping that the rest of the year provides me with ample travel opportunities, meeting really energetic, inspirational people, love-filled, and that I can share my love and passion with them. I want to know, Darlene, you draw a lot of energy from different women and I'm kind of wondering do you notice something that all these queens have in common that you see in yourself I'm wondering you've been interviewing so many queens and all these wonderful inspirational women is there a common thread between all of them how do you see it in yourself how does it come out for you I'm glad you asked me that. When I realized I couldn't do all of what I wanted to do by myself, I needed to either clone myself mm -hmm. or find other people who believe in my mission, who believe in what I do and who would support me. For example, this is just our second time meeting, but there is something about certain people uh, that I can either feel and that's literally um, an emotional connection that cannot be touched but can be felt and it's also how they display themselves so yes I, I have no choice but to google and look at them up look them up online to see what it is that they do what they represent and what they have achieved and like I told you before, I may only have 50 years left on this planet. I need to get all this stuff done that's in my head. <laughs> How am I gonna get this done? So I said, I need a bunch of other queens like me who are really good at doing what they're doing so that I'll feel satisfied knowing that there's someone else accomplishing those other parts that I wish I could implement, but it would have to be saved for another lifetime. Mm -hmm. But I can actually see it being done as I'm here today alive. And these women have inspired me, obviously, in a, in a really big way. And I find just doing these interviews, um, whether it's uh, via the web or right here in my studio, has made me realize what kinds of paths these women these women have been through and how many things they're good at i 
don't want to judge anyone anymore. I went through a phase where I did, but I realized that it was just me unhappy with myself. And now I'm just so happy to know that other people are so happy doing what they're doing that I want to encourage that. I want to continue. Oh my gosh, you are wonderful. You're doing exactly what you want to do and I can feel it and I'm I'm with you. I have your back. And this is what I would love to receive in return as well because it, it is so lonely, you know, being um, an entrepreneur and being an artist that you're consumed by your own thoughts, by your own ideas, by your own creations, and you can get lost in that. Yes, you can. And then you forget what your path is and you forget all these things that you want to do. But the rest, the rest, I need the support. I need that community. And uh, I've handpicked my queens. Very honored to have been picked as one of your queens. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Darlene. Thank um, you. I hope I inspired you a little. And I hope oh, wow. that everybody else that you interview, I will listen to their podcasts as well. And I hope they inspire me and the cycle continues. Yes. I fly over oceans and by sea. If you enjoyed the voice of Boudoir Therapy, please leave your review on iTunes. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram. And every Tuesday is Social Tuesday. I'll be active on social media if you have any questions. And don't forget the full moon special. Listen in a little bit closer to my story. Want to personalize your boudoir therapy experience? Visit www.darlenewong.com under DW Boutique to purchase your copy of Boudoir Therapy, a self-deserving journal made by me just for you. And never, never stop living your inner art. Because you deserve it.